0: Hello everyone, my name is Rory Fergus Duncan Goodwillie and I'm one of the teacher trainers on the Monkey Puzzle course. And this is the first of three videos on teacher training that we prepared for the course. It's the first of three videos that will be presented by myself. And today, what we're going to do is look at missing links in teaching young learners. There are lots of things that we get told on our CELTA and Trinity courses and other teacher training courses about teaching young learners. Um, And they are very good and very useful. However, there are some missing pieces of information that aren't provided, mostly because we don't have the time to cover every aspect of teaching while on this course. And I think this will help address them. So let's get started, shall we? And in order to do that, I will have to show you what the presentation actually is. But before we go into our missing links, as it were, what we will in fact have to do is talk about our aims and the outline of today's presentation. So the first aim that we have is to raise awareness of general principles in understanding children while they are learning, and what they want from their lessons, and what courses try to impart. And in the course of doing that, we'll highlight areas often overlooked, per- or uh, that are poorly explored in the course of generally uh, of general teaching courses. Um, again, like I say, this isn't the design, it's just um, one of the unfortunate side effects of doing short- shorter courses. So, what are we actually told about children and what they do while they are learning? One of the first things that we get told is that children need fun lessons, and they do. Children like to have fun. Adults also like to have fun, but it's sort of an intrinsic quality of everything that children do that it should be fun, or at least this is the idea that um, is imparted to us or that we perhaps believe without even having taken a teacher training course. You see um, what children do when they play with each other or the way that toys are marketed to children, the way that anything, any product is marketed to children. Fun is a sort of intrinsic element of it. So that's one of the first things that we are told. One of the second things we are told is that children are creative and indeed they are. We think back to our childhood, we were quite creative, we made up games um, and we enjoyed hearing stories and perhaps making up stories of our own as well. And then the third thing is that teachers see, uh, sorry, the children see the teacher in the classroom as the authority figure there. So they follow what the teacher does and they will listen to the instructions given by the teacher. This is sort of a, it's an older belief but it's still a persistent one and it's one that shines through in a lot of teacher training courses. Um, not completely without error but um, still we'll see it's a bit more complicated than that. And then the fourth thing we get told is that because the teacher is the authority figure. That means that the teacher is responsible for everything that happens in the classroom. um, And we control uh, or must control absolutely everything that happens. And the fifth thing that we get told, or perhaps the fifth thing we understand intrinsically about teaching children, is that children respond positively to technology and they always want everything to be about technology. It should be integrated in every single lesson uh, that uh, we have for young learners. And indeed, this is uh, occasionally the objective of some schools, to integrate technology as much as possible. It's uh, part of curricula for different countries, including the Scottish curriculum where I'm from, where using technology or becoming proficient in using technology is quite important. And the last thing is the Children work on simple terms, and so they need simple words and phrases to be taught to them. Uh, This is uh, somewhat obvious. They are uh, just starting out in life, and the world is a very complex place and needs to be simplified for them. So, these are sort of six beliefs that are either imparted during teacher training courses, or they have an influence on teacher training courses, or perhaps we just know them uh, before we even start uh, teaching young people. But there are things about these that we should be aware of or perhaps things that we aren't told about how these things work. So, yes, of course, children like to have fun, but when you're teaching children, not everything needs to be fun. And there are different kinds of fun to be had as well. So just because we have our own conceptions of fun from our childhood does not mean to say that it's going to be that way in the class as well. And of course, children are creative. Uh, But that doesn't necessarily mean that the things that we encourage them to create or the tasks we design for them have to be complex. It's not necessary for them to function in the classroom. Uh, Sometimes some small and simple changes can be enough. The third thing is that yes, the teacher is the authority, but We have to enforce this authority and we have to think long-term about how we're going to sustain this authority. It's not just enough for uh, a bigger person, an adult, to show up in the classroom and for this to just be acceptable. No, we have to put more thought into it and create systems that reward and enforce behaviour we want to see and discourage and tackle behaviour that we don't want to see. And the fourth aspect, um, while Teachers do have a strong influence on the shape of the classroom and the materials involved. Students can create and manage the classroom. They can create elements of the classroom, including the material, and they can help manage what happens in the classroom as well. So it's not just all about what the teacher does. We need to involve our students in this way as well. And this is fairly or it should be fairly obvious because of course children start out relying on adults to help them with everything But they are going to become adults eventually And we need to think about how this process will happen and how we can support the process of them moving from uh, Being reliant on the adult in the room to becoming more self-sufficient and operating more independently and of course the fifth point, yes, children like technology. But children don't just like technology because it's technology. That's not, uh, that's not logical. Uh, you don't just like something because it's uh, technologically sophisticated. What children actually respond to in terms of technology is they respond to the novelty of the experience and they get this from technology uh, more easily perhaps than other methods because technology is constantly updated There are new ways of doing things. There are limitless possibilities for things that you can do even with just a simple Word document, for example, as opposed to writing with a pen and paper. So the children are not responding to the technology itself. They're responding to novelty. And novelty can be new experiences provided by technology, but it can also be new experiences provided by teachers in the sense of games that they play in the classroom. And the last thing, of course, children do respond to simple words and phrases, but We need to remind ourselves that they are capable of more and we need to think about how we can challenge them and we can structure the challenge to encourage them to produce more than just the simple words and phrases that we teach them. So these are things that we aren't told or may not think about immediately. Um, We might prefer to think about the first set of principles uh, just because they're the most obvious ones or the ones that were imparted to us first. We need to keep these considerations in mind as well. How will this actually look in a classroom though? So, you can make things fun, but some things are necessary like handwriting practice and drilling, especially for small children who are just developing their literacy in their first language, not um, let alone in a second language like English. And this can be done in a way that's fun and fast. Um, You can do this with handwriting worksheets, for example. The fast element is asking them to do it only two times. Not a lot of teachers do this. They just um, give the handwriting practice worksheet and say, complete this worksheet. But students might become discouraged because they have to write a lot and that can be um, very daunting for them. So one way of dealing with this is asking the students to write just the words or sentences two times, or even one time, and that can be enough. The, um, dealing with, That's dealing with the daunting side. The fun part comes in the race. So uh, we can turn this into a sort of competition amongst the students who can write the fastest. Um, and we'll look at the material for that later on. The next thing is we can incorporate creativity into a fixed routine. Now, if we go back to the idea of handwriting worksheets, we can ask them to write the words and then we can ask them to draw it. Everyone produces different kinds of drawing, for example. Um, And students, especially younger ones, usually look upon this as something fun to do and it's extremely useful for fast finishers. We'll look at concrete examples of this in a moment. The third thing is to have a system of rewards and consequences. So, yes, of course, you're the teacher in the room, you are the authority, but how will this be enforced? So, some teachers set up um, very elaborate systems, but if you are thinking about doing this, if it's your first time dealing with young people, then it doesn't have to be a sophisticated or complex way of dealing with the problem um, or the issue. It can just be a case of writing the students' names on the board, and then every time they misbehave, they get a line next to their name, and once this adds up to three, they don't receive their reward in in the class. And rewards do not have to be overly complex either, you don't have to spend lots and lots of money on this. It can be something as simple as a sticker with a smiley face. Um, And students are usually quite pleased to be um, able to work towards something like that. Um, And of course, if you have this system of uh, rewards and consequences, it will work more effectively over the long term rather than just you constantly asserting your authority. Um, That's not um, feasible from a logistical point of view or for developing children's sense of uh, independence as well. Then for point number four, children can be involved in very simple ways in the management of the classroom. Uh, if we look here, the first two considerations are material distribution and collection. So. For example, students can be involved in passing out paper and pens, and they can be involved in collecting them back in again at the end of the lesson. All you need to do is make time for this in your classes, and then encourage the students to say thank you for my pencil, thank you for my pen, thank you for my paper, to the students who are distributing it. It's a chance to use English more, and it's also a chance for them to develop their social skills and their sense of independence in the classroom. All a teacher needs to be able to do is make sure that they um, distribute their responsibilities and fairly evenly because children have this sort of inset, um, uh, innate sense of fairness which they use to determine whether things are right or wrong in the classroom. So it's important that everybody gets a chance to hand things out and to collect them back in as well. And of course, we talked about the role of novelty. Um, you don't have to integrate a great deal of technology into your lessons for this just using simple flashcards and flashcard games connected to this. There are a wide variety of flashcard games. Flashcards can be used to present language, and teachers often do use them in this way. But there are flashcard games that students can actually learn and manage themselves. All the teacher has to do is demonstrate them, and then the students can take over. And this incorporates the level of novelty in terms of it might be a new game that you play with the flashcards. There are lots of different games you can play. But the novelty also comes in terms of the experience the students are having, because once they understand the game and they learn to manage it themselves, they start to enjoy this experience of being in charge and taking control of their learning. More complex but equally important are projects. So we can ask the students to create material and we'll look at some examples of materials that students can create themselves which are not very difficult to put together. And the last thing is uh, using drilling and encouragement. So for example we might hold up a flashcard and drill Uh, just the word, but our students are capable of more. They can produce full sentences, so we can say instead of just um, bear or it's a bear uh, or just bear, then we can encourage them to say it's a bear or you can ask them is it a bear and instead of saying yes, you encourage them to say yes it is or no it isn't. very simple start, but of course you can start encouraging them to produce fuller sentences as we go. Now we talked about these materials, but what will they look like? Well, let's look at handwriting and drilling. A very simple example you can see here with uh, eye, mouth, ear, cheek and chin and all they have to do is write the words one or two times very fast. Um, You can create these sheets yourself or there's a place where you can create and download them called Worksheet Works. The process takes less than five minutes um, and you can create simple worksheets and it's uh, a remarkably easy process for you to create these things um, at the drop of a hat. And in terms of modifying them, you can use the same website to create the uh, same worksheet. But for your fast finishers, when they want to draw, and when they want to get a little bit creative, you can just say, look in the margin. Can you draw an eye? Can you draw a mouth? And this is good for creativity in terms of getting them to draw things, but also cements a connection between the students and the language itself. And you can check that they understand what it is they're supposed to be drawing. Uh, and this will show that they are capable of understanding what they're drawing. So if they draw an eye where the mouth should be, then you understand, uh, oh, they don't actually understand what um, an eye is and I've maybe mis-taught uh, them this particular piece of language or maybe they did, weren't paying attention. It's possible, it's a long lesson and students have a limited life uh, attention span. So that can happen. So. Incorporating incorporating creativity doesn't have to be incredibly complex. You can just ask them to draw a simple picture while they wait for others to catch up. In terms of rewards and consequences, Again, imagine in this picture you can see um, your board and you just write the students' names and then when they're misbehaving, you draw attention to their name, point at their name and draw a line next to it, sort of like a tally mark. And then once they add up to three, then unfortunately no sticker for them. If you're using a blackboard or a whiteboard and they start to behave again, then you can rub down one strike and then that means they're still eligible to get their reward. Shouldn't be too difficult. In the same way we can use our boards to say who is doing what in very simple ways. So for example, we can see here Yaroslav is responsible for handing out the books. Erica is responsible for the pencils, and Michelle is responsible for taking in the books at the end of the lesson. And Misha's got a smiley face, a relaxed face next to him because he doesn't need to do anything this lesson. But next time it might be Yaroslav with a relaxed face, and Misha is the one distributing the books, for example. So this means that even in larger classes, you can show that students some students will just relax and say thank you, Um, but next time they'll take up another role. If you don't want to draw a picture every single time, what you could do is create a flashcard and put some blue tack on the back, and then you can move them around. Here in the next picture, we see examples of flashcards Again, you can make your own flashcards, but you can also download these ones from the British Council website. They have ones for animals, but they also have ones for classroom objects and they have ones for classroom language as well. So you can use them in this way Um, and you don't even need to uh, ask the students to write the words. Uh, You can just cut them horizontally and they have the words attached to them as well. So it's remarkably easy to put together big sets of flashcards that you can use multiple times with different classes and that becomes much easier. And in the same way, the British Council and other uh, educational websites provide long lists of flashcard games that you can play using the flashcards that they provide. If you're more of a project person, maybe after you've used these flashcards to teach uh, wilderness animals, you can get them to do a project. And one very simple project is cut out the shapes of the animals and draw a forest for them. And then what they can do is they can cut out different animals and they can put the animals in different places. Now, um, you could get them to do that with glue. What I've done here with this project is I've used blue tack on the back of the animals. So here you can see the squirrel is in the tree, the frog is also in the tree, the snail is on the tree and the deer is next to the tree. But it- If you want to, you could get the students in pairs after demonstrating to them uh, how to do this and ask them to reposition all of the other things here. So, for example, in this next picture, you can see the squirrel is now on the leaf, the frog is on the log, the snail is still on the tree, but the deer is next to the other tree. And this is as a result of students giving each other instructions where they should be. And this creates an extra level of challenge where they're using full sentences in order to communicate. So this is a result of our drilling and encouragement that we asked about in um, part six as well. However, There are other ways of drilling um, students and encouraging them to produce longer things and we'll see examples of these in in the upcoming videos where we focus on lesson planning for young learners. If you're interested in things that might have been overlooked in your teacher training course on young learners, then a good place to go is Children Learning English, which is a book by Jane Moon. And that contains all of uh, the material that we've talked about today uh, in terms of the ideas discussed. And it also contains a great many more in term and uh, in greater detail, too. So you should definitely check out this book if you get the chance. But that's all from me for now. Thank you very much for, your, for listening. And I'll see you next time where we talk about lesson planning for young learners. Thank you very much. Bye bye. <coughs>